0: Seeing ourselves as God sees us. That is probably one of the most important subjects for the believer. All right? Seeing ourselves as God sees us. So, this morning, if you have your Bibles, uh, if you don't, you can see them up here on the screen. Numbers chapter 13. And I'm going to read from verse 30 to 33. Numbers chapter 13, uh, verse 30 to 33. And somebody say, Caleb. And Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. But the man that went up with him said, We uh, be not able to go against the people, for they are stronger than we. And they brought up an evil report. An evil report is a a report of doubt or unbelief. Did everybody get that? So they brought up what kind of report? They brought up an evil report of the land that they had searched unto the children of Israel, saying, The land through which we have gone to search it is a land that eateth up the inhabitants thereof, and all the people we saw in it are men of great stature. And there we saw the giants, the sons of Anak, which came, uh, which come out of the giants, and we were uh, in our own sight as grasshoppers, and we were in their sight. Let's read that last part together. Say it together with me. And we were in our own sight as grasshoppers, and so we were in their sight. Wow. You may be seated. Uh, what I'm going to share with you, uh, it's uh, very, very important for you and for your family and for the great inheritance that God has for you. Now, this morning, uh, 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 it's important to understand that uh, what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, he said, everything in the Old Testament, Now, uh, we all understand that it's the unfolding of God's plan, right? Right. Uh, so it's important to read the Old Testament, but your main focus must be as a believer in the New Testament. You have to read the Old Testament. Otherwise, you're not going to understand the New Testament. As a matter of fact, you need to start reading from Genesis 1, chapter 1, verse 1, and continue to read. And once you get uh, into uh, the, the letters, uh, beginning with the book of Romans, then we have uh, uh, the revelation uh, true revelation given to God's people. So in the Old Testament, uh, we have types and shadows. Somebody say types and shadows. So these are types and shadows of the, of, uh, of the truth uh, and what has been revealed to God's people. Now, in 1 Corinthians, we're not going there, but 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 11, the Bible tells us that all these things were written as our examples. The Greek word, for example, is types, all right? So these were written as types. Uh, and they're types and shadows of what has God has given His, uh, His people in the new covenant. So it's important uh, as we read the Old Testament to understand that these are types and shadows. But we'll find the truth uh, uh, in, the, in the New Testament, especially in the letters. Everybody say amen. So uh, this portion of scripture, uh, what I'm uh, what I'm sharing with you this morning is to to make you to help you understand that we ought to see ourselves as God sees us. Everybody say Amen. So uh, the Bible tells us, if you read the the book of Exodus, that uh, uh, that, God, uh, that God sent Moses. He sent Moses to uh, to Israel. Because they were God's children, but nothing happens until people cry out to God. Somebody say, nothing happens until you cry out to God. That's very important. And the reason is because God gave man authority. And unless you cry out to God, nothing happens. So they were in bondage for 400 years. So they they came to the point in their life, they just couldn't take it anymore, the children of Israel. And they started to cry out. Uh, they started to, uh, uh, to really cry out from the depth of their heart. They said, we need deliverance. They started crying out to God. So God sent Moses. And when he sent Moses, uh, God said, uh, go to Pharaoh and tell Moses, I mean, tell Pharaoh that uh, my people, uh, I, want them, I want you to set them free so that they can serve me. How many of you know this is why God gets us out of Egypt? So in the Old Testament, we find Egypt, and we find uh, the desert, and then we find the promised land. All these are types. And these are types and real, uh, just as real to you today as they were uh, to Israel. These are just types and shadows. But uh, in the New Testament, Egypt, when when you mention the word Egypt, that's the world to you. God took you out of Egypt, not just to leave you in the desert or just to say, I'm a Christian, one day I'll get to heaven. Everything God does is for a purpose. So he takes us out of Egypt. He takes us out of the world. And you must, have, must uh, make a clean cut with the world. And then uh, he, his intention is to take you straight. Uh, in the New Testament, is the land of promises. Somebody say, the land of promises. That's it, the land of promises. In the Old Testament, we get their types and shadows. Uh, uh, God sent Moses, and he stood before Pharaoh. He said, let my people go that they may serve me. So God's intention and purpose to get you out of Egypt is for you to serve him. Does everybody understand that? Now, we find great promises in the Bible concerning people that serve God. Okay, you have to serve him. Somebody say, you have to serve him. You see, you can't just come out of Egypt and not serve God because uh, the only way to serve Him is to enter the land of promises. And in the land of promise, you're going to serve Him. But if you serve God, there are uh, promises beyond anything you could ever imagine. A life that you could ever, never, ever could imagine. I could never imagine uh, when I came out of Vietnam and then... Went to university, got out, that God had such wonderful things for me. I just could not imagine, could never have entered in my heart the good things that God has for me. And so you cannot imagine what God has for you uh, until you enter the land of promises. Everybody understand that? So this is God's intention and God's purpose to get you out of Egypt. And, and, and he got you out of the world for one purpose, to take you. Uh, directly and as quick as possible to the land of promises. Everybody understand that? So uh, in the land of promises, there we can serve God. There's somebody say, we can serve God. You see, you can't serve God in the wilderness. No, you can't serve Him. And you can't serve Him in Egypt. But once you begin to serve God, then uh, you begin to uh, enter a realm where uh, uh, things begin to function. And things do function. In the world, it doesn't function. Now, some of you have been out in the world. You know that all of you, or all of us, we've been out in the world. All of us know that it does not work there. So it would be, it would be uh, ignorance to continue doing something, uh, you know, the next 10 years, or the next 20 years, trying to make it work when it didn't work for 30 years or 40 years for you in the world. So uh, it does not work. They're trying to uh, force uh, a system to work where it cannot work. It cannot work, you see. So because God is the creator of everything, he's the only one that uh, can give us, and he has given us this book and in this manual, it, it, re- it reveals how things actually work. And your body and your marriage, your, your life, your job, your business, whatever, uh, it will function. But outside of that, it will not function. It seems like it's going to function, but it ends up not functioning. All right, so but if we serve God, there's great promises. Number one, in Exodus 23, you don't have to go there, but in Exodus 23, verse 25 and 26, he said, If you'll serve me, he said, I will bless your bread and water. That means your food. How I many of you knew we need God to bless our bread and water? Not to make you sick, but when you eat that food, he Ah, praise God. So in uh, X, uh, Psalms 103, he says, uh, that he satisfies our mouth with good things, that our youth is renewed like the eagle. You have to have the right food in your body. So, and number two, he said he will remove all sickness from you. Sure, this is not steel. So we'll be, uh, because we're living in a cursed world, sicknesses will try to come on us, and sometimes they do. But uh, God says that if you'll serve him, he'll remove all sickness from you. Everybody understand that? That means that if he removes all sickness, that you'll have a, 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 a healthy life. Number three, he said, uh, nothing will abort. Nothing will abort. You can apply that to you as a man. Uh, nothing will abort. No project, nothing. You will take it to its fulfillment. Uh, there will be no sterility in the land. You will not be... Uh, 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 a person nullified or uh, were, were kept in, uh, in stagnation, you, uh, you will be profitable. And then number four, uh, he says that you will live out your days upon the earth. That's powerful. In other words, you're not going to die before your time. Would you raise your hand with me and say, I shall live and not die. I shall not die. Come on, let's say it again. Well, I shall live and not die and uh, and declare the works of the Lord. Now, let's say it, re- I mean, like you mean it, because some of you don't, don't mean that. You say, well, I feel like dying. No, let's raise your hand and say, I shall live and not die and declare the works of the Lord. Hallelujah. That's a great promise, you see. Uh, you, we shall live and not die and declare the works of the Lord. So that the reason we say that, and the Bible says that, because... God's promise is that you live out your days. And you say, well, how long am I going to live? Well, until you're satisfied. If you're satisfied at 70, then you go. If you're not satisfied in 70, you're not to go. You said, I'm, I'm, I'm 80. I'm not going to be satisfied." Well, you're not going to leave before your time. Can you say amen? So, um, but uh, here in Numbers chapter 30, the Bible tells us that uh, God uh, told Moses, He said, "I want you to select uh, one person from every tribe and send them into the land of uh, the land, of the, the promised land, uh, as spies to check out the la- the land that I give them." Hello, you see, uh, God said, "I give you the land. When God says He gives you something, then it's been given, right? That's right. It's been given. God says he told Israel I, the land which I given to the children, uh, to the children of Israel. So he sent out the spies and the twelve returned, and the Bible tells us that ten of the twelve, uh, they uh, they could not uh, and would not uh, uh, accept what God gave them. All right, uh, but let's read. Did we read? Uh, uh, well, we read verse. Let's go to verse thirty-three, and he said, "And and there we saw the giants, the sons of Anak, which uh, come out of the of the giant, which come out of the giants, and we were in our own sight as grasshoppers, and so we were in their sight. So the Bible says that uh, in spite of what Caleb said, and in spite of what Joshua said, because it was Joshua and Caleb they went with the twelve, In spite of what they said and in spite of what God said, uh, they, uh, they, God led them all the way to the border. They were just across the Jordan River. They were right there at the border, ready to cross into the Promised Land. It was was a quick trip walking uh, all the way from Egypt, and they were right there. But in spite of of what Caleb said and Joshua said and what God has said, uh, God could not get them to cross the, the Jordan River. And the reason is because they had a grasshopper mentality. Hello. And as long as we have a grasshopper uh, mentality, then uh, we're not going to be able to serve God, and we're, we're not going to be able to cross into the land of promises. Does everybody understand that? So because they could or did not uh, cross, and remember... Uh, it's God that we're talking about. God could not get them across. He could not. The all-powerful God of the universe could not get the children to cross the Jordan River. And as a matter of fact, uh, God can't force anybody. Uh, everybody has a will. Everybody understand that? And everybody must make a choice uh, to want to serve God and, and to get into the land of promise so that you can serve Him, so that you can be blessed, right? Right. So all these are types and shadows in the land of promise. uh, For us, the land of promises, there is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. There is the blessing of Abraham. There is uh, 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 healing. There is prosperity. Everything that you could ever desire, imagine, it's in the land of promises. But we have to get there. Does everybody understand that? So uh, the result was... That uh, they wandered in the desert for 40 years, and they lived in tents. Now, sometimes we say tents, you know? Uh, living in a tent for one week is horrible. Now, it is. Uh, imagine 40 years. Now I can tell you by reading this that it's horrible because I lived in a tent for one year. In Vietnam. I lived in a tent. And I tell you, it's miserable. It's hot, especially in Vietnam, and those army tents leak, all right? If you touch them, you're going to have leaks. You mess around with them, anywhere a part of that tent is going to leak. So uh, I would get up uh, during the monsoon weather, and I was soaked. One year living in tents. So I under- understand the plight of these people, but uh, what they did was forfeit. God had a land for them. They were just to cross. Uh, they would have had uh, beautiful homes, homes already built, uh, vineyards, uh, beautiful homes. Everything was already built for them. But they said, "We cannot go. To, uh, we cannot go because uh, on the other side is giants." Now, if you'll notice, God never mentioned the giants. He never told them, there's giants. On. God never, said, uh, never mentioned that to Israel, there was giants. Because giants are nothing. Can you say amen? amen. Giants are nothing. So Caleb said, we can go up right now. And then uh, Joshua, he said, uh, they will be bread for us. They, they'll be bread. He said, let's go up now. The giants are just bread. We can take these, uh, these giants. But not Caleb, not Joshua, and not even God could get these people to cross because they had a, uh, a grasshopper mentality, all right? And a grasshopper mentality uh, is this. Uh, uh, people will say it is true. It's true. Uh, that Christ has delivered us, uh, Galatians chapter 3, said, Christ has delivered us from the curse of the law, that the blessing of Abraham has come, oh, that's a grand it's true that God has done that for us. It, it is true what the Bible says, that uh, beloved, I wish above all things that you may prosper and be in health, uh, even as uh, your soul prospered. it's true that Jesus said, I've come to give you life and life more abundantly. Uh, it's all, all of that is true. But uh, I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough. You see, they have that uh, grasshopper mentality. I'm not good enough. Uh, I will never be good enough. I know the Bible says that, but I'll never be able uh, to accomplish anything in my life. Uh, I have to go on living. And sure, there is a, a heaven. Uh, and one, one of these days I'm going to get there, but here I have to suffer and struggle all the days of my life, and that is a grasshopper mentality, seeing ourselves uh, as the enemy would like to see us and not seeing ourselves as God wants us to, uh, wants us to see us uh, or, wants, or sees us. Can you say amen? So we have to see ourselves as God sees us. Now, a lot of people, uh, they're precious. As a matter of fact, all of God's, all of God's creation are beautiful people. Somebody say everybody's everybody uh, is, is a beautiful person. It is. They are beautiful people. And in my time, I've met beautiful, beautiful ladies and beautiful women. But because they see themselves ugly, uh, then they never amount to anything because they see themselves ugly. And then there's other women that uh, they're not quite as beautiful, but they see themselves beautiful. They, uh, they see themselves as somebody special, and they're able to accomplish many things in this life. Can you say amen? So uh, our thinking will affect your words, and it will affect uh, how you function in this life. So we have to see ourselves as God sees us. Can you say amen? So they saw themselves, and listen real carefully, they saw themselves as grasshoppers, but unfortunately how we see ourselves that's the way people are going to see you right because they said we see uh we are we were in their size grasshopper and that's the way they saw us as grasshoppers whether they knew that or not but they said that's the way they see us but unfortunately that's the way people will see you if you see yourself as a grasshopper you say i'm no good then people will actually see you as a no good person right but if anybody should have a, a, a self-esteem, a true self-esteem, it's God's people. Can you say amen? And what I'm going to share with you this morning, it's just an introduction, but is not to flatter you. It's the truth. When the Bible says that if we are children, we are more than conquerors. Can you say amen? If we are His children, then we are heirs of God. Somebody say, we are heirs of God. We're not just anybody. Once you were born again, you were were made somebody. We're not just heirs of God, but we are joint heirs with Jesus Christ. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. See, that's what God says of us, and we've got to see ourselves as God sees us. So the Bible says, they said, we were in our own sight as grasshoppers, and so we were in their sight. So how you see yourself determines how you live and what you'll accomplish in this world. Uh, we, when we, uh, we, we Christians have to believe in ourselves and, uh, and, uh, and, and to take pride not in ourselves and what we've accomplished but what God has done in our lives. Can you say amen? So uh, having a grasshopper mentality uh, will never give glory to God. Remember in Matthew chapter 5? Let's go to Matthew chapter 5. And these are the words of Jesus in verse 13. Jesus said, You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt has lost its savor or flavor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is uh, henceforth good for nothing to be cast out and to be trodden underfoot of man. You are the what? The light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. We are the salt and we are uh, the, the light of the world. Can you say amen? So we have to see ourselves as God sees us. For a long time, listen to me, for a long time. Uh, uh, people in the world have scorned and they have laughed at the church, but I want to tell you today that that is over. Uh, the church is becoming, and uh, they're because they're realizing we are becoming the, uh, the solution center of the world. Uh, people by this time they know that nothing in the world works. I don't care how much they legislate. Uh, how many, uh, uh, what kind of universities and degrees people have. There is no answer to their, uh, their problems, but we have answers uh, now uh, as Christians. We, we have the truth, and we are the solution center of the world. Can you say amen? And there's coming a time where people are going to start running uh, to, the, to the church, to the body of Christ for answers, and it's already taken place right now. Let's give the Lord a great praise offering. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. So number one, I want you to look at this. This is very important. Uh, uh, The first step in achieving true self-esteem comes from knowing who we are in God and knowing how God sees us. Did everybody get that? Uh, That's very important. The first step in achieving true self-esteem comes from knowing who we are in God and, uh, and knowing how God sees us. So in the beginning... And all of you have read this in Genesis 126. The Bible says that He made us and He created us. And we were made in His image. Somebody say, we were made in God's image. We were made in God's image. And, uh, and the Bible tells us, and uh, let's go to uh, Psalms chapter 8. In Psalms chapter 8, the Bible tells us that, uh, that we were crowned. And uh, this is uh, saying the same thing as Genesis. In um, uh, Psalms chapter 8, verse 3, he said, When I consider the heavens, the work of uh, thy fingers, the moon and the stars uh, which thou hast ordained, what is man that thou art mindful of him, and the son of man which thou hast visited him? Now I want you to look very carefully now at verse 5. He said, For you have made him a little lower than what? Now notice this, a little lower than the angels. Now, that's been translated wrong, and I believe because the translators, they just could not uh, uh, believe or could not uh, put down exactly what was in the Scripture because it was too much for them. The word there for angels is the word Elohim, which means that we were made just a little lower than God. We are very special. Can you say amen? And the Bible tells us in verse 5 that he has crowned man with glory and honor. Hello. Hello. He has crowned us with glory and honor. And you have made him to have dominion over all the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet, saying exactly what Genesis uh, says. So when you became saved, the day you were saved, when I was saved at the age of, of eight years of age, I didn't know that. But a crown was placed on my head. And I was crowned with glory and honor. Can you say amen? And now I am a child of God. Uh, I, am, I, am, uh, uh, I am a child of the living God. And because I'm a child of the living God, I am an heir of God in joint heir with Jesus Christ. Can you say amen? So this is the way God sees us. He sees us as crowned children, uh, His creation, Bless heirs, uh, his heirs, and now we are uh, kings and priests. Can you say amen? So uh, when he created us, and this is what I want to focus a little bit uh, this morning on this introduction, when God created us, he gave us one of the mightiest things that you and I can have, and that is our own will. He created us with a will, a will to say, I will prosper. A will to say, I'm going to come out of this mess. A will to say, "Uh, I know I'm going through this right now, but I'm not going to stay here. Can you say amen? God gave man one of the mightiest forces or mightiest things that he could ever have given you, and that is a will. Can you say amen? And and God will never violate your will. If you say, I'm not going to make it, God cannot force it on you. And he could not force it on Israel. He took them up to the border. Uh, 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 the border of the, of the land of promise. And the only thing they had to do was cross the river. And they didn't have to worry about the giants. God never mentioned the giants. Because K- uh, Joshua said it the right way. He said they will be bread for us. Let's go up at once. Can you say amen? We don't have to worry about that. But uh, God cannot he cannot violate your will. If you say, "I'm going to remain poor," you will remain poor. If you say, "I'll never amount to anything," you'll never amount to anything. If you say, "I'll uh, I'll always be sick," you'll always be sick. Everybody has a will. Can you say, "Amen"? And we have a will to accept what God has given us in His Word. And if you will to, to serve God, you're going to serve God. Can you say amen? God is never going to force you to serve Him. But if you said, I will to serve God, I will to cross, uh, to, uh, uh, to cross uh, the border the, the, and into the land of promises, I will have what God has for me, then you're going to have it. But if, uh, if you say, I will not, then you will not. Everybody understand that? So, uh, I want you to note, I want to give you now four or five scriptures real quickly. Deuteronomy thirty nineteen, the first one. And notice what he said, I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you, that I have set before you what? Life and death, blessing or cursing. Therefore, you choose life that both you and your descendants may live. That's what God is saying. He said, "You have to choose. I can't choose for you." And you say, "Well, why should we choose? Why don't God just uh, uh, just uh, uh, send it upon uh, send it on our life? Why don't He just uh, uh, just do what He's going to do? Because He can't do that." In the beginning, and God will never change his plan because it's a perfect plan. In the beginning, he made uh, man in his image. And because he made God, uh, made us in his image, he gave us a will. And he gave us authority here. God does not have authority here on earth. He gave authority to man. Can you say amen? Man lost it. Uh, man lost it, and he turned that authority over to the enemy. But Jesus came to restore that. Can you say amen? And Jesus restored the authority we had lost. I give you power. I give you authority over all the power of the enemy. And nothing shall by any means hurt you. Can you say amen? Give the Lord a great praise offering for that. Hallelujah. So we have authority, and we decide. You will determine how you're going to live. And you say, well, I don't have as much as that other person, but you have enough. And there will always be room at the top. There's no, room for, uh, there's no reason to have jealousy. When somebody gets blessed, clap your hands and rejoice. They got a new truck, a new house. Thank you, Father. Give them five houses. Can you say amen? Give them, give them more. Can you say amen? There will always be room for you at the top. Can you say amen? So you can have it if you want it. And if you don't want it, you're never going to have it. Uh, But you have to make a choice. Now look at the second scripture I'm going to give you this uh, this morning. Uh, Revelation 3.20. He said, Behold, I stand at the door. That means he's outside. He said, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door. Who opens that door? Well, you do and I do. I will come into him and dine with him, and, and and he with me. Jesus said, "I stand at the door and knock. I'll come, and let's just dine together." And when Jesus comes to dine, I want to tell you that you'll have everything you'll ever ever wanted in life. Can you say Amen? He's be sitting at your table, at your life, and things will, will begin to have uh, to have mighty breakthroughs in your life. Now let's go to the last book of the uh, the last book of that book of that uh, the book of the Bible. It's Revelation 22:17 now. He says, and the spirit and the bride say, come, and let him who hears say, come, and let him who thirsts come. And whosoever what? Whosoever desires, whosoever desires, let him take of the water of life freely. So those three scriptures, God is saying you have to decide. Well, let God decide. It's up to him. That's a lie. God cannot decide for you. You have to decide. He just said, I give you the land. I already gave it to you. You have to decide if you want to cross uh, into the the land of promises. And I'll give you this last one in John chapter 5. In John chapter 5, verse 5 and 6, remember this story. In John chapter 5, a man had been sick for 38 years. Is that a long time? Is that a long time to be sick? This guy was sick for 38 years. And there was a certain man there which had an infirmity 38 years. A week is too long, right? A day is too long. With a headache for one day, he said, oh, God, bring relief, right? That's right. But he was sick for 38 years. And when Jesus saw him lie, lying there, he knew, and knew that he was already been in that condition a long time, he said to him, Do you want to be made well? Do you want to be made well? He said, Yeah, but no man puts me into the water. I do want to be well. He said, Well, take up your bed and start walking. But Jesus was very, very clear because he cannot override uh, uh, your will. And you know why people live like the way they live? Because they chose that. They chose that kind of life. But the day you get up, shout say, I'm not going to live like this anymore. I'm not going to live like this. I'm going to go to the land of promises, and I'm going to receive everything God has for me. And some people say, no, it's my dad, it's my mom, it's the government, uh, it was Obama that put all that on us. No, it's you. It's you. You have to decide. I don't care who's in, uh, uh, who's in power in any nation. You can live blessed because uh, God's kingdom supersedes all others. Can you say amen? Praise God. So the will is the mightiest thing uh, God has given to any man. And no man can receive much from God without having a firm choice in your life. Does everybody understand that? So, if we want what God has for us, then we have, to, uh, we have to decide. So, they came up to the border. Now, these are types and shadows. Everybody understand that? These are types and shadows of the real thing in the New Testament. There is a Egypt. There's a world. Number two, there is a desert. Now, let me say this now. If you do not go into the land of promises, you'll stay in the desert. And this is why we find, not you perhaps, uh, most Christians, they're living in the desert. And they're frustrated, and they wonder uh, could, if this is really true, what God says. Well, as long as you live in the desert, it's a horrible life. Uh, just coming out of Egypt does not make it right until you lend go to the land of promises. Now, the land the land of promises is not a type of heaven because in heaven there's no cities to conquer. There is no, no giants there. This is talking about your life here on planet Earth. And you have to leave Egypt, but you can't stay in the desert. And God's intention when he took the children of Israel out of Egypt, it was never his intention for there to be... Uh, nothing but a, a, a little journey, about 11 days, and, and get to the land of promises. But they stayed there 40 years uh, because they said, we are grasshoppers. Uh, we see ourselves that way. God says, no. Did you know that God revealed in his word, he said, you're the apple of my eye. You're the apple of my eye. I made a covenant with uh, your forefather, Abraham. You're special to me, and nobody can touch you. Touch not my anointed. You are my children, and they couldn't get that. So the devil put, uh, put it in their hearts, and what the devil does today, he says, you'll never be good enough, especially if you had a father who says, you'll never be good enough to please me. Parents say that to their kids. You'll never amount to anything. You'll never be good enough. You'll never be able to please me. That's what you perhaps maybe your dad said that or your grandfather, but God will never say that. Can you say amen? He says that you are a king and a priest, that you've been crowned with glory and honor. Can you say amen? That you are special. Hallelujah. And if they were special, we are much more special uh, because we've been washed with the blood of Jesus. They were were his people in the Old Testament. But we are now children of the most high God. Can you say amen? Come on, let's give the Lord a great praise offering. Hallelujah. (laughs) Hallelujah. Now, he gave us the land, but listen real carefully. I'll end with this. Uh, There's a slight requirement. If you you are to enter the land of promises where you'll find everything that God has offered you. It's not in the desert. And for sure it's not in Egypt. You want what God said in his word? You have to go to the land of promises. But here's the requirement. You have to possess it. It's yours. God already gave it to you. But you have to possess that. All right? And you have to possess it. And here's one way. Now notice, notice, uh, notice what uh, Caleb said. And uh, just, uh, just bear with me here. Notice what Caleb said. He said, uh, he stilled the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and possess it for we are able to overcome it. Joshua said, they will be bred for us. The children of Israel said, we can't. There's no way we can go up there. Because the land, it swallows or it, uh, uh, how did he say that? It eateth up the inhabitants. It's a terrible land. And they brought up an evil report. Now, listen to what I'm going to tell you. This is what Jesus said. He said, you have what you say. You see, in order for you to go to the land of promise, you have to possess that. It's not going to fall on you. Say, well, I wish you would just fall on me. It's not. You have salvation. God's given you authority. Now you cross it. And you get a hold of this. And then you're going to have it. And you'll possess everything. Long life. Healing. But uh, unfortunately we can't have faith for other people. I can pray for other people. Uh, we can teach them. And we can agree with them. But Ultimately, the person has the final decision. If a person says, I'm going to die, there's nothing you can do with them. If a person says, uh, I will live like this all my life, you're going to live like that. I will never amount to anything, you'll never have it. I'll never have a brand new house, you never will have one. I will always have this uh, cucaracha car, cockroach car, you're going to have that. I will always live in a dirty house. You will always have that. I will always have a bad marriage. You will have one. You see, you have what you say. So each one of them, now notice, each one of them received. They said, the land, uh, this land, they brought up an evil. said, this land eateth up the people. Guess what? The land ate them up. They died in the desert. Caleb said, we can go up. He did go up. And Joshua said, they will be bread for us. When he took the children of Israel across the Jordan River 40 years later, he, he got them. He destroyed those giants. So you have what you say. How, uh, uh, how important is that? Well, look at Mark eleven twenty three. 23. Jesus said this, and we have to believe what Jesus said. For assuredly, I say to you, whosoever, what, says to this mountain, says, somebody say says, says to this mountain, God's not going to do the saying for you. He said, "Be removed and be cast into the sea," and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things which he saith, which he says, shall shall be done. You see. He will have whatever he says. You have what you say. He said, I don't know why God put this on me. Quit lying. God didn't put that on you. He said, You put it on yourself. And even if the devil put it on you, uh, you can get it off. But you have to speak to your mountain. And if you'll speak to your mountain, I don't care if you've just been born again one week, you have authority. And you have to speak. A lot of time we spend uh, talking to God about the mountain. Say, God, look at this mountain. Look, it's getting bigger and bigger. And God said, well, what are we going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? We spend all our time talking about how bad it is and how big the mountain. Look, God, uh, get this thing off of me. Well, God said, well, get it off of you. Uh, speak to the mountain. You have authority. Can you say amen? Speak to the mountain. Speak to the mountain until that mountain begins to move. And Jesus said that whatever you say, you will have. So here we go, folks. And let me say this. And God gave me this right before I uh, came up here. He told me that, uh, that uh, this ministry here, Kingsgate, uh, they will start moving just like the other ministry. And It won't be long. There's a revival coming. There's a mighty revival coming, an explosion. Can you say amen? But it, it doesn't just fall on us. Uh, you have to do now, if you put those five things up there, these, uh, uh, with these five things, you'll possess your land. And if you're not doing that, you're not going to possess anything. Uh, you'll stay in the desert until you die. But these are the five things we do. If you'll, if you'll do those, those things, you will renew your mind. You'll renew your mind, and that's why, that's why the children of Israel could not go into the promised land. They saw themselves as grasshoppers, and, and when, the, after the devil put that number on your head, in everybody's head, being out in Egypt, uh, he told you you were never no good, and that you'd never amount to anything. And he put condemnation on you, and he told you that you would be just like your father and your grandfather, right? He said all that trash. But let me tell you, when we when we renew our minds, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed. When you renew your mind, then you're able to possess the land. Can you say Amen? So we're going to read the word and pray and fast and give and and uh, and when we. Uh, we started a prayer chain uh, in, our, in this other ministry, and this is what it has to happen here. If, if you don't pray, and if, there's, if we don't develop, and this has to be developed, if uh, a, a prayer campaign does not begin, we're not going nowhere. Because it doesn't matter the quality of the seed. We can preach the best word. It doesn't matter the quality of the seed. The word is a seed. And it doesn't matter uh, uh, the, the ground. You can have the best quality of ground, the best seed in the world, but if the rain does not fall, that seed will never sprout. And the rain is a type of, a holy, of the Holy Spirit. When people begin to pray, then the Holy Spirit will begin to manifest Himself, and then there will be increase. And if there is no praying, there is no rain, and there is a seed in the ground, but it'll never sprout and never give fruit. And the seed will die right there in the ground. Does everybody understand that? So do you desire? Do you desire a move of God? Do you desire a change? Do you desire going into the land of promises? All the things that you've desired in your life. You said, I desire this, Pastor. I'm sick of poverty. I'm sick of not making it. I'm sick of my life. I'm sick of living like I'm living. I want to go to that land of promises where God has already prepared everything. Well, you have to possess it. And if you don't, you won't get there. So let's stand up. And let's hold hands and let's believe God. Father, we just want to thank you this morning. In the mighty name of Jesus, we give you praise. Hallelujah. And Father, we thank you because your people are going to get down to business. And they're going to start praying. And they're going to start reading their word. And they're going to begin to speak to the mountain. And Father, as they begin to do these things, these five things in their life, Father, there's going to come a sanctification, a cleansing, a purity in their life. And Father, we thank you because you will visit your people.